I'm Adnan Mahmutovic and this is Love and its Discontents podcast. Charlotte Bronte's novel Jane Eyre is what we usually call a Bildungsroman. It follows the story of Jane, a plain girl who fights through a series of difficulties on her path to self-realization and love. Jane meets many obstacles in her life. It starts in her childhood when she lives with a cruel and abusive aunt who thinks Jane has bad blood and is unlovable. Then there are the grim conditions at Lowood School and later on when she becomes the governess for the future love of her life, Mr. Rochester, she comes to a turning point. She finds out at her, at her wedding to Mr. Rochester that he has a secret wife called Bertha. Bertha is apparently mad and violent, and she burns down his estate. At first, Jane leaves him, but then, after, after inheriting a fortune and becoming a truly independent woman, she reconnects with Mr. Rochester. In the end, she utters the famous line, Reader, I married him. So, Jane overcomes many great obstacles that are typical of the historical time she lives in. Through her determination, through sharp wit and courage to simply be who she is, she not only finds love, but also defines love. Already as a child, she knows who she is, what she believes in, that she has a good sense of what love is. Uh, Rochester recognizes this stability in her selfhood. Yes, the novel is a Bildungsroman in which a young character develops, but it is remarkable that Jane has a very strong nation of selfhood already from early age. Consider the fact she does not buy her aunt's notion that she is unlovable and that she has bad blood, that certain madness runs in the family. Now, no matter how madly in love she may be, Jane constantly shows that she is the rational one in her decisions. In my view, Jane's definition of love contains certain foundational claims that I think we still seem to hold true in our time. For instance, that love should be about accepting each other as we are, that there might, must be respect, a sense of mutual worth and equality, and perhaps above all, that marriage is, is the result of love. One should marry because there is love, and if there is no love, then that is a valid reason for a divorce. Let us now zoom in on some things that Jane has issues with when it comes to true love. In her time, people are attracted to each other and get married for many reasons. Love is practically never an essential criterion. In fact, marrying for love, while disregarding things like class, social status, wealth, and beauty, would be considered foolish. Such a relationship would be boiled down to lust, and in fact be a form of insanity that is, a loss of reason, like we see in the character of Lydia in Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. Now just consider Bronte's insistence that Jane is not beautiful. It is as if, uh, had she not reminded us of Jane being plain, 
we would fall into the trap of imagining her as quite beautiful. In order for us to truly believe Mr. Rochester loves Jane for her character, Jane cannot have any potentially superficial qualities. Mr. Rochester, as a Byronic hero, has had his share of beautiful women, including his mad wife, Bertha. About beauty, Jane says, A beauty neither of fine color, nor long eyelash, nor penciled brow, but of meaning, of movement, of radiance. At another point, Jane says, There is no happiness like that of being loved by your fellow creatures and feeling that your presence is an addition to their comfort. Then we find this quote, I am not an angel, and I will not be one till I die. I will be myself. Mr. Rochester, you must neither expect nor exact anything celestial of me, for you will not get it, any more than I shall get it of you, which I do not at all anticipate. To love someone is to care for them for who they truly are, for their unique selfhood. The attraction is never purely physical. The plain Jane has anything but a plain character. Rochester tells her at one point, Every atom of your flesh is as dear to me as my own. In pain and sickness it would still be dear. Your mind is my treasure, and if it were broken, it would be my treasure still. Then there is the question of class, wealth, and status. Jane is a simple governess, while Mr. Rochester poses everything any other uh, woman should dream of. Jane is quite clear that she falls for him because he acknowledges her being, because he appreciates her qualities. But from the point of view of other characters, from the point of view of their society, why should anyone trust Jane that she's not in it for the money? This is why, it seems to me, Bronte makes sure Mr. Rochester's estate burns down, and he himself becomes physically downgraded. It is only when Jane herself inherits money that she, now an independent woman, takes him back. It is almost as if Bronte creates a series of events which are meant to strip all typical societal attractions that constituted marriage in the Victorian era. And by this move, she shows that Jane's love is absolutely true. I find this quite remarkable. Almost as if Bronte thought really hard what anyone could object to, what holes one could punch in their love and thus make it lesser. And then she made sure all that was out of the love equation. Then there is the notion that to love is to care for someone as they are, to like their true self. This is why we have the character of the mad wife, Bertha. Madness is the opposite of rationality. Madness is the lack of a proper and stable selfhood. Madness is a complete loss of oneself. For Jane, to be madly in love is not an option. She must retain her faculties of reason and exercise control and agency. This is why we think of Rochester's first marriage as a sham, as suffering, as something he honored despite the fact there could be no love between his rational self and the mad woman in the attic. Jane is never entirely madly in love with Rochester. 
she always makes sure her integrity is untouched. This is how love is defined, not as the ecstasy, as being beyond oneself, outside oneself, but always working on maintaining that very rational and stable core. Jane says, I care for myself. The more solitary, the more friendless, the more unsustained I am, the more I will respect myself. Then she also says, I can live alone if self-respect and circumstances require me to do so. I need not sell my soul to buy bliss. I have an inward treasure born within, with me, which can keep me alive if all extraneous delights should be withheld or offered only at a price I cannot afford to give. The clarity of thought is quite striking. The foundations of love and relationship are practically set in stone. She may have to accept bad circumstances, but she will never compromise herself. That would be the ultimate loss, and with that loss, she would also lose love. What strikes me a great deal is the extent to which elements of this particular ideology of love have survived and still seem to linger as ideals in our contemporary notions of love. For instance, as I said, to be loved for who one is, to avoid compromising one's principles, is something we'd consider quite important. We do seem to have a general notion that marriage follows a loving relationship, and once love is gone, marriage is supposed to end. Love becomes this ground uh, of the social contract, and is often emphasized in wedding ceremonies, both secular and religious. The notion of till death do us part becomes valid only under the condition that there is love. There is one thing which I haven't mentioned, the idea that Bertha, the mad wife that Mr. Rochester locked up in his attic, is in fact Jane's double. Now, Bertha and Jane are supposed to be like two sides of the same coin. Bertha symbolizes uh, Jane's extreme but suppressed passion. She serves as a warning that Jane too could end up there if she gives herself entirely to love. In another future episode, I will focus more on Bertha as she was depicted in a spin-off written by Jean Rees, entitled Why Sargasso Sea, where we find out who Bertha was before she married Mr. Rochester. I hope you enjoyed this short reflection on Jane Eyre and that you have become hungry to find out more about the way this classical novel depicts love. If yes, please join me in the next episode as I discuss these themes in some depth with Dr. Lisa Ann Robertson from the University of South Dakota. Dr. Robertson is an expert on Bronte's novel and I'm sure she'll have much to add about this classical tale of love. Until then, much love from Stockholm.